0: Shanahan's make running backs you've never heard of really good and then suddenly everybody's like that's
1: a great running back and it's like no this guy's played on five teams he's a hard worker and he had a good stretch but this is the Shanahan history not only Kyle is dad
0: what's up everyone thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast here on 49ers Hive my name is Zach Hernandez as always I'm joined by my co-host Anthony Perry Anthony how are you doing today
1: What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It's your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. As always, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. It's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. And we have some uh, pretty significant news to get to in terms of training camp, opening up Santa Clara, preseason games, you know, the NFL roundup. So uh, let's get into it, Zach.
0: Yeah, guys, Anthony kind of gave you a little quick preview. And we're going to start with that uh, right away. So, Anthony, earlier today, the Santa Clara County announced that they would allow the San Francisco 49ers to proceed with training camp. Uh, Matt Barrows tweeted out, per source, the 49ers have received approval from the county to move forward with training camp. Rookies, quarterbacks, injured players to report and get initial COVID tests tomorrow. The rest of the team can come in on July 28th how big is this update? And as far as people kind of being worried about not having a season this year, uh, how big of a first step is this?
1: Dude, this is huge. For one of the biggest states, obviously in the US, but also in terms of uh, being strict regarding the coronavirus and opening and closing stores, restaurants, malls, barbershops, you could say that the governor Gavin Newsom and obviously the city of Santa Clara kind of uh go hand in hand in how they wanna handle the situation. And the fact that they're opening up for training camp when this was already one of the biggest question marks, you know, for the entire off season, it's uh it's pretty exciting as Niners fans and it's just finally getting into step in the right direction to hear football news regarding the team hearing how players are progressing from injury rookies moving forward with how they uh how they're playing if you will and obviously seeing how the veterans are doing as well with guys like Trent Williams Jimmy Garoppolo George Kittle and so on so not only is this just huge for the Niners as a team but I think it's big for the city of Santa Clara to just keep the Niners moving forward and giving people hope regarding the football season
0: yeah, it's been really, really strict here. Obviously, uh, we both live... You don't live in Santa Clara County, but you live not far from here. I live in Santa Clara County. Uh, our restaurants have been closed this whole time. Gyms, movie theaters, you name it. I, I, I'd i argue we're as strict as any county in the country. So I honestly thought that the 49ers weren't going to be able to proceed as, as normal with training camp. I wasn't quite sure how the 49ers were going to go about it. But I thought some things are going to have to be altered. So I thought this was pretty big for the county to announce that the 49ers were able to do so. Um, and as far as the season taking place, it's a huge first step. Just like you said, you know, uh, this was the main, you know, domino that needed to fall. And I know uh, the, the next domino that I think is pretty big is the NFL Players Association has been pushing for the uh, emergency response. I, I forget the, the acronym but for the uh, certified testing team's response plan to be approved by that agency. And I think last time I heard, it was something like eight or nine teams had that plan approved. So there's still the majority of teams need to get that approved before we can move forward as a whole, as a league. But for starters, the 49ers have clearance, and I believe they're all ready to go. Um, Now, Anthony, another... Big part of this year that's going to be different is the NFL kind of floated out the idea of no preseason games. They had previously offered uh, reducing it down to two games to the NFLPA when they were kind of negotiating getting back to football, and now they said, "You know what? Let's just scrap the season entirely." So the NFLPA was all over that because I, I believe the majority of them don't want any preseason as it is. So. My question for you is How much of an impact will this have on the team? And how many players that would have otherwise made the roster and possibly been productive won't now?
1: Dude, this is huge regarding the NFL because this isn't just obviously affecting the Niners, but it's affecting every football team, period, in terms of rookies who are already on the fringe to making the roster practice squad versus the veterans who could either make a name for themselves or are, you know, Kind of high on salary cap that teams can cut and save money, but it's a veteran like Tevin Coleman, for example, who's on the books for over $4 million. And with Kyle Shanahan's success with running backs, quite frankly, I don't think his roster spot is safe. As well as Figuring out, you know, how much money the Niners can save. We'll talk about later on the revenue cuts, but how much salary the team can save in general when it comes to re signing guys like K1, Trent Williams, George Kittle, and so on. But to go into the preseason in general, man, this is huge for the entire roster. We're not just talking the rookie guys, but we're also talking about veterans for the team. And I'll consider guys like Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis veterans, but with a uh, quote unquote crowded wide receiver room, outside of the guys like Debo and Brandon Ayuk, uh, everyone else has a lot to prove. And, yeah, Kendrick Bourne's, you know, another name to watch too. I'm sure he'll make the roster, but – This is a guy who a lot of people are expecting big things out of, not just a uh, third-down go-to guy for Garoppolo, but a guy who who has the potential to really put everything all together. So it's guys like him who could use the preseason to really step up their own game and really show to the coaches that they're ready to ball out and get more snaps. And then back to what I just said with guys like Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis, who are arguably guys who are cut candidates, and that's not to knock the two – but you got to figure one struggled in Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor hasn't played in what a season and a half almost two seasons because of the foot injury. And yeah, obviously there's an injury to Debo that'll hold him out for you know, the first few weeks, but it's not like he's going to be an IR candidate. So he's going to take a roster spot. So every roster spot regarding the wide receivers is huge. And quite frankly, guys like Dante Pettis and Trent and Taylor can't really afford to mess up and it's the fact that they're likely not going to have any preseason games to show their worth is huge. Could guys like Taylor and Pettis be possible IR designated to return candidates just to, you know, kind of like what they do with guys like Tim Harris? Sure. But we see how valuable roster spots are on this team. We see how valuable the IR designation is for this team, and we see how often the team uses it. They use it on guys like Tavia Street, once again, Tim Harris, and so on and it's just gonna be huge so not having a preseason it's huge for the team it really is so these guys and not just the wide receivers but the cornerbacks the linebackers the defensive line all the rotational guys outside of uh bosa ford blair armstead and so on and so forth they're gonna have a lot to prove same with guys like uh let's see i just had the list right here daniel brunskill it's those kind of guys that really need the preseason to show why they should not only be, a ro- be on the roster, but should either avoid the practice squad or even be starters. And that's not to say that Brunskill or McKivitts are starters right now, but this is the big indicator of the future. Some guys go out there and ball out, but they're not going to be able to do that. So I think it's great that training camp is opening up, but I think those guys, the guys who are like, in that position regarding the team. And it's not that they won't take it serious, but these dudes need to go out there and go into training camp as if it's going to be their last day before they get cut or waived or traded. So it's huge. I think no preseason games is a lot more impactful than some people think.
0: I really agree with you there. Um, I know a lot of people like to think that training camp is, or excuse me, training camp and preseason are useless. Um, A lot of people think that, there shouldn't be any preseason games, regardless of COVID or not. But a lot of guys make a name for themselves in training camp and going into the preseason, and they kind of earn their roster spot that way. So, you know, late round picks, undrafted free agents, uh, guys that were fringe guys on the roster the previous season that are carried over. All of these guys now will not have a big opportunity to make the a name for themselves, impress the coaching staff, and prove that they should get a spot on the 53-man roster. So that's going to be huge. That's going to be a big thing going into this year. And I don't remember if I saw that the NFL will be allowing expanded rosters. I know there was a lot of... uh, They they kind of uh, altered the rules as far as, like, if somebody were to get sick, then they wouldn't be able to... They would have to go on IR, stuff like that. I know they altered that, but I don't know if they expanded the roster size yet. But without this period of, you know, the shortened training camp and completely removed, eliminated preseason, I think teams are going to be looking a lot rustier come week one. Um, you know, we see, I know you mentioned Jimmy there in the beginning and a guy that wouldn't really be affected, but I, I disagree. I think he'll be a, a, at least slightly affected by this. I think that, you know, any quarterback who's been out for roughly six months, You know, I know they throw on their own. I know that he has those little uh, meeting workouts together with the rest of the offense, but that's not the same as putting pads on. And I know they don't put on pads for all of training camp, but still, not the same as getting in there with coaches, getting the speed, getting the rhythm up. And then that's still a whole nother level from actual game speed. So I think there's going to be a lot of rust the first couple of weeks. We'll probably see a lot of interceptions, not just from Jimmy Garoppolo, but from quarterbacks all around the league. So it's really going to be something to keep an eye on as we move forward into the beginning of the season is how rusty are these players and how are these unknown factors, unknown uh, undrafted free agents, rookies, how do they play when they didn't have any preseason to kind of warm up and get acclimated to the NFL? Um, and guys, we just want to stop real quick and let you know that this episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast is brought to you by our Teespring store. Hit up 49ershive.com and if you want to hit the shop 49ershive tab you can check out our joe staley commemorative t-shirt come at me bro that is on sale right now you get free shipping in the u.s and also below that there is our our link to our teespring store we got a lot of cool merch on there we just got a brand new design that came out today uh it is a debo inspired design snatching the chain off of a seahawks player it says mess around and get your chain snatched. You really can't beat it, guys. Go check it out right now. All shipping in the U.S. is $4.99. Once again, guys, this episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast is brought to you by the 49ers Hive, shop49ershive.com. So go and check it out today. Get you a t-shirt, get you a hoodie. All the designs come in t-shirts, women's t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, hoodies, you name it. So go check out Shop49ers Hive today. Now, Anthony, my next question for you has to do with the NFL Players Association, urging the NFL to spread the expected multi-billion dollar loss in revenue over the 11-year CBA, as opposed to kind of condensing that loss down to 2020 and 2021. Now, on paper, this kind of seems like this is something that's a no-brainer. Why not spread it out if they have the means? That's what the NFLPA is arguing. But, Do you have any arguments as to why
1: they shouldn't do that? It's one of those things where you got to figure, do we want to lose a lot of money now or do we want to try and spread those losses over, obviously, 11 years? And as the NFL, dude. They care about their money more than anyone. And I think they're going to figure that they can adjust the uh, overall income and what they make and kind of match that with what they're going to lose throughout time. And I'm not one to really speak on the coronavirus. I'm not an expert or anything. But it doesn't seem like this kind of stuff is going to end anytime soon this year. But I've been hearing a lot of progress regarding producing vaccines and stuff like that that are supposed to come out in September, apparently. But I'm not too informed on it. But I will say that with this kind of thing with a you know big old medical pandemic, who knows how it could really affect the outlook. And when you have a multi billion dollar industry like the NFL, these guys probably spend millions of dollars alone on the, you know future business analytics and determining how something like this could affect their overall revenue for the next ten years, obviously. So I'm thinking that putting the time into what's going on with this i think they would rather go over the 10 11 years and obviously a loss of revenue will affect the overall salary cap as well and i think that teams will be able to uh kind of limit the spending, but also be able to bring back a player here and there, maybe not a luxury spend like the Cowboys do, for example, where they can re-sign Dak and, or, well, tag him, but re-sign guys like Amari and, um, uh, what's his face, Uh, the defensive lineman, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence, and, you know, those kind of guys in general. So it's going to be tough for teams, and it's going to be tough for teams who have even smaller payrolls. But uh, I think they'll be able to get the job done. It's not a pretty situation. It's do we want teams to just basically not resign any single player for two years, two to three years? Or do we want them to just resign a couple players kind of really... Uh, focus on drafting and really make drafting important because now with the revenue loss with the salaries going down drafting is going to be more important than it has ever been for the next nine to ten years and not that drafting isn't important but dude when you mess with an NFL team's money and and they realize that they can't re-sign all the guys they want to I'm looking at you 49ers Drafting is going to be huge, and who knows? Maybe that's why they go after guys like uh, Charlie Warner, the tight end out of what Georgia, and then you also go after guys like Colton McKivitz. Where I don't think it's so much as depth, as it is we really believe this guy could be a long-term starter, and that's obviously why you keep guys like Daniel Brunskill as well. So saving money, allocating money to the right players and people, I think is going to be really important for every NFL team, and. It's not that the fans don't realize how important salary cap is, but I think what fans, including you and me, and just everyone, need to understand is that there isn't going to be as much money to spend for NFL teams. And it's going to be real number crunchers when it comes to re-sign Like choosing between George Kittle and Trent Williams or saving the money to re-sign Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and eventually Nick Bosa, uh, redoing a contract for Jimmy Garoppolo. Next thing you know, Debo Samuel is going to need a new contract. Brandon Ayuk is going to be on this fifth year. And that seems like a long ways away from now, but dude... If it's anything like how it's going to be this year, time is flying by. It's already past the midway mark of the entire year. Next thing you know, tomorrow is going to be New Year's. So NFL careers and NFL contracts go by fast. And with a 10 to 11 year, uh, I guess, loss spread, if you will, teams are going to need to really, uh, you know, go to their guys like Parag Marate and just hope they can work salary cap magic.
0: You know, I think the biggest takeaway of all that, when like you said, it's kind of like it's tough because obviously when you're looking at it on paper, it's like, why wouldn't you spread it out over an 11-year spread instead of over two years, kind of condensed? um. But it, it's essentially asking the owners to foot the bill instead of the players. And look, for me, I'm all for that. I don't understand why the players should be asked to kind of, uh, you know, foot the bill of this virus costing the nfl billions in revenue uh when it you know obviously nobody here is at fault but who's more capable and equipped to kind of handle this loss and foot the bill temporarily it's the owners and let's not act like they're not going to get it back as soon as this comes you know to a halt as soon as life returns to normal fans are able to return the games um so i think that asking the the players to kind of fork up the cash and, and reduce uh, their salaries and reduce the team's abilities to, to assign players, resign players, et cetera. I think it's kind of, I don't know. It, it's kind of selfish of the owners. Um, and, you know, obviously nobody ever wants to fork up that kind of money, but I, I just think that the 49ers, excuse me, that the owners should be willing to do that just to kind of get things going um, because it, it, it's really going to hurt things in the long run and we haven't even mentioned George Kittle. Uh, you know, his contract's coming up. The 49ers need to pay George Kittle. Log on to Twitter. You can't go five tweets without saying it. Um, so if how are they able to do that if not only are they not going to have a, a significant increase in the salary cap next year, as it usually is year by year, but actually it's going to come down. Uh, it's going to be really tough on teams. And I'm not sure how they're going to be able to do that. I'm not sure, you know, what, how they're going to work that out, but it's going to be tough. And I really just, you know, it's uncharted territories for the NFL and for teams. But I think that if anybody should be willing to step up and and foot the bill for this cost, it should be the owners, you know, they're, they're the richest ones in the room and they should be willing to kind of put their money where their mouth is and keep the league operating at par, um, now, Anthony, we kind of had some recent news or some breaking news with Raheem Mostert requesting a trade and, you know, his agent Brett Tesler coming out saying that, you know, they've had ongoing negotiations with the 49ers. However, they're not really valuing him. His argument was that they, although they signed a contract last year, a three-year contract last year, that was at special teams value now that he, you know, worked harder and kind of out-earned that contract he should get rewarded with a reworked contract. And he's only asking, I, sh- I should say only in quotations because it's a lot of money, but he's asking to be paid on the same level as Tevin Coleman, which is roughly $2.5 or $2 million more than what he's getting right now. Now, earlier in the week, Brett Tesler came out kind of walking those statements back saying, whoa, 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 you know, actually he might be able to work something out with the team. He met with, you know, some high members of the 49ers front office, uh, do you think that that's, he kind of came to his senses, or do you think that the 49ers are more so reaching out, trying to smooth things over?
1: I think they're trying to reach out and uh, smooth things over, because Raheem Mostert des- deserves you know the money as much as guys like George Kittle and eventually Trent Williams at his position in K1 and whatnot. But I think the Niners are just... They're trying to really wait out and see what's going to go on with football, the salary cap, revenue loss, things of that nature. Because I know Jed York cares about the team and he cares about winning and whatnot. But he's just like every other owner, man. They care about their money. And even if it means, you know, bumping his pay up another couple million dollars, which is, you know, toilet paper to Jed York, it's, uh, it's not much. But... When it comes to the whole COVID-19 and the whole revenue loss thing, I think that's uh, that's pretty big, and it sucks, especially because it's really only a couple million dollars, but it's a whole situation regarding Raheem Moster. man. I mean, we see how replaceable running backs are in the Niners' system, especially Kyle Shanahan. We saw that Raheem Moster got his opportunities and really stepped up in the second half, but... We got to see if he can hold up for a whole season because he had so many limited snaps in the first part. Got more in the second half and it worked out fine. But again, it's a running back. You never know what the shelf life could be. They could tear an ACL like Jerick McKinnon and, and then miss another season after expectations. So I'm not saying Raheem Mostert on that level, but it's just... With Shanahan's system and how running back friendly it is on top of how long running backs can really last and maintain success it's hard to determine and I'm not trying to argue against paying Raheem Mostert because I think he deserves the money just as much as the next person but it's just getting that outlook from a uh, team spending perspective where you think about it and it's like okay well obviously with the whole thing COVID-19 money's going to be tight uh, we still have to pay guys like George Kittle, Trent Williams, K1, and we have to look at the future as well. Do we have to cut someone like Tevin Coleman? Do we have to restructure contracts? And I know it's so silly that we're talking about literally like $1.5 million, $2 million, but again, teams care about their money, man. And if they're going to be as stingy and as stubborn as you know Raheem Mostert's agent, who requested the trade and then walked it back, and I still think that's a big sign of stubbornness, then they could just be at a stalemate. So I think the Niners are just going to just wait, see what happens. I do feel like once roster cuts around and some contracts are restructured, that Raheem Mostert would get his money. But again, I think they're also going to see what's going to go on with the entire NFL season and if we're even going to get football
0: you know so okay so you kind of take it as the team is reaching out trying to right their wrongs essentially and pay Raheem Mostert accordingly I, I I take it the other way I think Raheem Mostert and Brett Tesler are realizing that maybe they were out of line maybe not however the way they went about it I think was the wrong way and uh, Matt Llewellyn and I talked about this on our YouTube show, Niners News. Go check it out, guys, if you haven't. Uh, but we talked about it, how it's just you don't go about these types of things publicly. Uh, you, you go about it privately. And although they did say they were meeting with 49ers front office for, uh, I don't know if he said specifically a time frame, but he said after, you know, maybe months, I believe. I don't have the statement in front of me. After a while of unproductive talks. However, I just don't know if essentially turning to the fandom and turning to the court of public opinion and trying to shame and guilt the 49ers into to giving Raheem Mostert the contract extension or reworked contract you're hoping for is the right way to do it. Uh, because then they look petty, fans are going to end up turning on him. I had so many fans, as it is, tweet me saying look, I love Raheem Mostert, respect all he's done, but this is kind of making me view him a little differently. Uh, you know, you got guys like George Kittle, on the other hand, saying, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm going to be there for my team. I'm not going to hold out where. And then on the other hand, you got Raheem Mostert saying, I'm not getting as much money as Tevin. Trade me to a team who will give me that money or give me that kind of money. And, you know, it's just it, from a public perspective, it, it just kind of looks like they're kind of trying to strangle stronghold him into giving them the raise that he's asking for so it's all about optics man and I really just think it's not good optics from Raheem Moster and Brett Tesler so strictly for that reason alone I think they went to the 49ers and probably said you know what can we work something out you know maybe it doesn't have to be exactly four million in total maybe we could do something in between whatever the case is because you know, we also talked about this on, on Niners News with Dylan. He, he was a guest co-host this week. Um, it, it's a really, really weird time to be asking to be traded. Teams already have essentially their starting lineup going into the season, barring any uh, major injuries at the running back position. All these teams pretty much have who they want to roll with going into the season, and nobody's going to be giving up the asking prize for Raheem Mostert that the 49ers would likely ask for him in return so maybe they said feel free to look for a trade and there wasn't anything out there or maybe they just came to their senses I don't know Uh, one of our one of our fans kind of commented on our show on YouTube saying you know we're going to talk about the elephant in the room that maybe there wasn't any trades available for Raheem Mostert maybe nobody wanted to to give up the asking price and I honestly think that's that's probably what happened here Um, I think that they just probably they're not willing to give up whatever they may be asking, second, third round pick, uh, starting caliber player, whatever the case may be. Whereas on the other hand, the 49ers are probably thinking, yo, we got Tevin Coleman. We got, uh, you know, all these other running backs on our roster. If you want to go, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan can whip something up with someone else. So I just think that it's not good optics. One, two, the 49ers could probably find similar, similar production with somebody else. Um, No disrespect to Raheem Moster, but we've seen these backs like Steve Slayton, uh, you know, Er, uh, Alfred Morris, guys like that have thousand yard seasons and then fall off after Kyle Shanahan leaves. And, you know, they don't do anything ever again. So just Raheem Moster, keep it in mind. And hopefully they're able to reach a scenario that is beneficial to all parties involved. Um, Now, Anthony, you're going to wrap it up here. I've seen a lot of people this offseason and even going back into the season saying, Why did the 49ers give up those picks for D Ford? He's more of a, a luxury than a necessity. What do you think? Do you think the 49ers need D Ford out there on defense in order to win games?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give this one a solid yes, dude. D Ford is just arguably the most effective, effective pass rusher on the team, opposite Nick Bosa. And obviously DeForest Buckner when he was on the team and currently Eric Armstead who is still one of the most underrated players in the whole league. But you look at D Ford and at first I was like eh, I'm not a fan of trading high draft picks and I'm also not a fan of you know, re-signing injury prone players let alone signing them. But you look at how he was when he was on the field. You saw how good the defensive line was and they're already good without him but with him it reminded me of like Aldon Smith and Justin Smith or when you just have a top defensive line in the league and that might be a luxury but in terms of the team's overall success on defense I think they are just the engine and we saw how the entire defensive line at its highest point makes the back seven you know the linebackers the cornerbacks the safeties it makes their jobs a lot easier cuz Simply put, they don't have to cover as long because they're already getting pressured, or the quarterback's already getting pressured, which leads to picks and easier pass breaks up. Breakups, excuse me. Uh, sacks, forced fumbles, things of that nature. So, yeah, I think in some people's eyes, yeah, D Ford might be a luxury. But when you look at the big picture when he's healthy, yeah, it sucks that you have to pay him a lot of money to miss six, seven-plus games. But you look at when he's healthy and when he's playing, he's a dog. Point blank, the dude is arguably the most effective player, not on defense, but just on the team as a whole. And that's up there with guys like George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, having D Ford is really nice. But again guys when you're looking at the big picture, D Ford is he's needed. He's a requirement. And yeah, the team can win without him. But let's face it, having D Ford, dude, we would win games a lot easier with him on the field than without him. And we saw how uh how his injury after uh what, I think the Seattle game and then he missed six games. It was, it was huge. It was huge for the entire defense. And it wasn't just losing him, but it was also losing guys like Ronald Blair as well. Uh, Jimmy Ward missed a little bit of time. Or no, I think he played. It was Joukowsky Tart who missed a little bit of time. And when you lose a couple pieces, not just on the D-line, but just the entire defense, we see how making those adjustments can uh just kind of hinder the team and yeah they still won but maybe didn't come as easy as it would as having Tart and d ford and blair and so on so yeah he's nice but he's needed dude i think without him it's it's not that the team isn't super bowl bound but let's just say having a fully healthy d ford in the kansas city game i think that could have been the difference man
0: yeah, I agree with you here. I think that D Ford is absolutely a necessity for the 49ers. Now, don't get me wrong, would they survive without him? Sure, but it's not the 49ers defensive line that you're used to seeing. Defense as a whole, because just like you said, you know, the pressure up front affects, uh, you know, rushed passes, tip passes, interceptions, fumbles, you name it. It all starts up front. And, you know, uh, when I was researching for this question, I saw David Lombardi of The Athletic tweeted out some, you know, kind of statistics regarding D. Ford when he was on the field. And when he wasn't, Uh, weeks one through 12 for the 49ers the last season, he was on the field and they averaged four sacks per game. Weeks 13 through 17, they averaged 0.8 sacks per game. Now I'm sure you can imagine the only difference is D. Ford was there and then he suddenly was not there for weeks 13 through 17. So that went down substantially, um, and then he returned for the playoffs. And guess what? Their sacks per game went back up to 4.3 sacks per game. So you look, there are like you said, there were other players like D., uh, Ronald Blair, Montre Moore, guys like that that also missed. Time. However, I think D Ford is kind of the key piece to this defense because he frees up Nick Bosa, he frees up Eric Armstead. These offensive lines can't focus on everyone. So I think the 49ers absolutely need D Ford. Um, he's more of a necessity than a luxury, although you can argue he's a little bit in the middle, but if you're asking me, he's definitely a necessity for the 49ers. Uh, now, Anthony, did you want to do any standard shout-outs?
1: All right, brother. I got one standard shout-out today. It's not much, but I'm going to shout-out the city of Santa Clara, dude. It's not much. I mean, it's finally regular – or not regular season. Off-season workouts, training camp opening up. Maybe it'll be limited, and who knows how it's going to work out. But, dude, we finally get some football. And you know what? I'm going to do another sport, too. I'm going to shout-out Major League Baseball. I think opening day is tomorrow. Dude, I missed my Oakland Athletics, man. Uh, they're doing the, or the Bay Area is kind of doing them dirty. They've been cut off of radio stations, but, uh, I'm not really, you know, big on the baseball politics and whatnot. I'm just happy the sport's back, man. Basketball's kicking off. Uh, baseball's coming back. Football's opening up for the offseason. Uh, soccer's been going on, dude. There's just all sorts of sports that's finally happening after months and months of basically, uh, terrible preparation by almost all the sports and a lot of silence and confusion. So... Shout-out Santa Clara, bro, and shout-out to the uh, four major sports.
0: Yeah, it's really nice to have some sports back, and I don't even really care about baseball or anything like that, but it's it's just nice to have it on. Uh, for my shout-outs, uh, I'm going to go with shout-out to Stephen Burke, 630. Uh, he is actually the winner of our Joe Staley team. Uh, he He got that, and he was so nice and kind enough to make anthony and i a kind of cartoon graphic of us it's on our twitter go and check it out we'll have it as our pin tweet um go check it out it's really really cool he did a really good job on it i thought it came out awesome so shout out to steven and also you know shout out to the trainer of george kittle trent taylor and a bunch of other guys from the 49ers josh underscore alpha strength on instagram this guy posts so many videos of th- these guys working out, George Kittle, Trent Taylor specifically, and it's just really cool. I-, I like to think to get like an insight on how these players are working every single day, trying to better themselves, uh, trying to get better at what they do, trying to improve themselves and the team. So it's just nice to kind of get that behind the scenes look at what they are doing, the grind that goes into being the best tight end in the NFL, in George Kittle's case. So shout out to Josh underscore Alpha Strength on Twitter. Or excuse me, on Instagram. Make sure you guys go and follow him if you're not already because, you know, it's really cool getting to see behind the scenes like that, like I said. But I think that's going to do it for us today, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Rent Gold Standard Podcast. If you guys like what you hear and you want to support your boys, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Share the podcast. Make sure you're following 49ers Hive. We do a lot of giveaways there. Uh, And also make sure you follow... Our uh, Ren Gold Center podcast on Twitter, uh, it is RGS Pod. Make sure you follow us there. All of the episodes come out on there. You can suggest topics, questions for the pods, and we'll we'll you know address it here uh, on air. And for me, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. Anthony, why don't you go ahead and let the folks know where to find you and close it out for us.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast. As always, Zach, thank you. I love doing a podcast. We finally got stuff to talk about. Not that there hasn't been exciting Niner stuff, but I mean, hell, training camp is opening finally. Sports is kicking off. I know you don't like baseball. It's okay. Ninety percent of people don't. It's just for losers like me and old far too love baseball. But hell, we got baseball or we got football back. So finally, as always, the case to go. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. Perry underscore 49ers that's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49 E-R-S.
0: Alright, thanks guys.